You are listening to the Heavenly Chi Podcast, episode number 14. Today we're talking to Simon Feeney again on raw herbs or false friends. Hey everybody, I'm Claire Pyers. And I'm Fee Gitchum. Today we're talking to Simon Feeney. Hi Simon. Hey there, how are you doing? Hi, we're well. Uh, we've got Simon with us again for part two of the discussion where to, uh, this time we're going to talk about raw herbs and their variations of species and particular applications. Simon is a practitioner of Chinese medicine with his clinic in Port Macquarie, Australia. And he also runs Empirical Health, where he hand makes all the classical formulas of the Shang Han Lun and the Jingwei Yao Le. And they are available for online purchase at www.empirical-health.com. The Heavenly Tea Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and professional development. Show notes and continuing professional development resources are found at www.heavenlychipodcast.com. You can add Heavenly Chi Podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. We hope you enjoy today's show. So this topic of raw herbs or false friends uh, is about learning which herbs may have a few varieties variant species and which ones we are supposed to be using for specific applications and Simon is just a genius when it comes to this type of information having spent a long time learning um, and looking very deeply into it and so um, Simon let's just start with when when did you first find yourself studying the classic texts to differentiate the different types of each herb? I think it originally started when I was looking, when I was at university and seeing herbs on the shelf that didn't match what I was, uh, had seen in other clinics, but under the same uh, pinion name, which was really confusing to a, to a student because they looked completely different and what was going on. And then um, yeah, I just slowly started to look into the whatever herb medicine books I had available to me. Um, and saw that there was this thing called adulterants, which was really interesting to me. And I thought, how could you have the same, sorry, a different species, the same genus often, but sometimes not, but typically the same genus, different species, doing exactly the same thing. Um, therapeutically, certainly certain compounds are going to be different, etc., etc. Um, but in some cases, it was just a completely different herb. And that just didn't sit well with me. <laughs> I didn't really think that that was... Uh, that was um, that was right, but of course, you know, it's it's a huge topic, um, and it depends on geographical location or or, or culture or um, you know social political movements in in a, in terms of being able to access particular herbs at particular times and in times of uh, warfare or, or whatever situation there might be, political or social movement situation there might be, um, you know how how the practitioners adjusted in that time frame or, uh, or religious, you know, for religious movements, they in religious um, uh, traditions, different, different herbs change. There's just so many 
reasons why um, regional um, agricultural interests. You know, the, the, the list goes on um, into how many uh, how many variations of a particular thing. Um, and so it just comes down to how much time someone has used with the same herb, with the same species, I think. Yeah. And that's when I first started getting interested in it, yeah. Um, so can you explain to us the correct herbs, correct dose, correct application? Sure. Actually, can I just go back to the uh, – what I was going to say is that, that there's a, you know, in Kampo, you know, the, the Han-style medicine of the Shahansa Binlun, they pretty much use you know, Jung Chong Jing's formulas um, with with minor changes um, to individual herb species, just because based on this geographical um, uh, the geographical orientation of the of the country. But you know, we can say that that once they've been practicing this this style for longer, possibly than continually for than the Chinese have. Do they have more clinical experience? Or excuse me, do they have more clinical evidence to to say that their species is better? So who, who knows, you know? And by this I mean to compare uh, varieties of species of chaihu. So chaihu, they are just basically, and I mean basically, there are twenty five different species of adulterants for chaihu. Um, but primarily, when you're talking um, Chinese medicine. You're looking at um, Bei Chai Hu, Nan Chai Hu, and, and well, which is so I should probably say the, the, the botanical, which is the um, so Bulpurum sinensis, um, which is the, the which is the northern Chai Hu, and Bulpurum scosinifolium, which is the southern Chai Hu, and Bulpurum fulcatum, which is the style that which is the species that's used um, in Japan, and you know that's the real focus. But then there's there's soft chai hu and there's hard chai hu and thin chai hu and thick chai hu and it goes on and on and on. Wild chai hu, cultivated chai hu, um, you know, etc. But they they do different things. They all do different things. Um, and if you're using just chai hu uh, in, let's say, a xiao chai hu tong concept where you're trying to vent xiao yang, um, then you need to be using Bulclorum sinensis because that was the herb, the species that Zhang Zhongjing most likely used. We're not, you know, can't be one hundred percent accurate, but that's it's pretty much agreed that that's the species he was using. However, if you're using um, it in something like um, like a modern formula, like uh, Yin Xiao San, is it Yin Xiao? What's it called? Xiao Ya San. Sorry, Xiao Ya San. You know, you're using you want to be using Scorzenifolium. Right, which is the, the southern variety. Now, that causes liver qi. So if you're using squizenifolium in a Shanghan Lun context or in a Shao Chaihutan context, you're going to get all sorts of problems and you're going to get all this dryness and you're going to get all this um, discomfort and it's going to be, especially if you're doing, you know, um, using for long periods of time and using high doses, you're going to have some, certainly going to have some serious problems. Um, but you know the Japanese have been using folcatum in in a shaotaihutan construct, and they have tremendous results and very very low doses as well. So you know, does that mean that folcatum is better herb? And you know, what happens if you you know? Anyway, it's a very very big big topic. 
So, so what are some things that we can, like how how would you know? So you've ordered some chai hu from your herb supplier. How do you, like, how do you know what sort of chai hu that you're looking for? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it just comes down to trusting your supplier to some degree, you know, because we can't all um, be botanists. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of really being able to identify it in clinic, it's pretty difficult. Um because you really, if you want to look at species identification, you need to be looking at the flower and the leaf and yeah, etc. etc. But if you've just got you know some twigs cut up, it's very different, difficult to dive to differentiate those two those species. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, if you trust your supplier, that's really what we can only what we can hope to, and then the the closest to the you know, the highest quality herbs you can get, um, you know, winner trading in Australia, doing European certified stuff in the Chinese, absolutely beautiful. You smell it, it's so rich, so, you know, and, um, and, 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 you know, you trust the supply, so it's good. Yeah, I, I think that's all we can hope for, besides you know, growing it ourselves, I guess, <laughs> which, you know, if you're going through eight in a week of Chai Hu, like I know someone who's in Melbourne and, um, you know, Good luck growing that. <laughs> <laughs> and so sticking with Chai Hu, uh, which variety are we looking for when we're pairing it with Sheng Ma for raising sinking yang? I think that would probably be, um, it would probably be Sinensis, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. The, the one, sorry, I... I've, the northern. The, the northern one. I reckon I would agree with that because from um, I know that I'm very sensitive to the southern type of chai hu. My yeah. liver chi doesn't like to be coarse too much with the drying nature of that type of chai hu. And, um, and I think that when people are reporting adverse reactions or unexpected reactions to bujong ichitang when the formula is indicated for sinking spleen yang, I think a lot of it comes down to the to the incorrect chai hu species being used. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, there's just so many examples of, of yeah not using the the, the the correct herb. I mean, you know, if you just learn from from your school and the you know, like in my school, I think I I, I wrote a small paper and presented it to the clinic uh, supervisor and said, you know, these are the these are the eight herbs or whatever that I think that we're using the adulterant for. And, you know, they read it and changed. And that was good. You know, if you, um, uh, yeah, if you're just using basically the wrong herb. Because when I went to overseas and I saw some of the herbs on the shelf, like I asked for um, certain herbs and they showed me a completely different thing. And already the language was already so... So difficult because you know we were talking to I was talking, I was in Thailand at the time buying this huge herbal dispensary to take to the border, and we were buying over 200, 300 herbs, and uh, you know he'd say oh you can have this herb, and it'd be like that that there would be second generation like second generation Chinese, but you know lost their language but could still read character but they spoke but they were half Thai or something like that then it became really confusing. So all we had was the character and you'd show the character and they would bring a completely different herb. 
And they're like, yeah, well, what's this for? Is this for this, this, this? And they go, yeah, that's what it's for. Like, oh, it's in this formula and that formula? Yeah. Like, that's the herb. And I'd show them pictures of the herb that I thought it was, and they go, no, 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 that's not. That's not, we don't have that herb. So, yeah, it's... Um, and how do you know which one's the right one? Exactly. Who's right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it just comes back to, I think, that's, that's you know, with this, with this child, with their childhood for an example, going back to who authored the formulas. You know, that's how you can differentiate between Shaliyasan or Shachahu Tunnel or Shahu Bwaji Gunjana Tunnel or any of the... I mean, I know for sure, I mean, my focus obviously is being on Jungle Jing's formulas. So when we looked at... So that's why we just exclusively use... Um, like Yibei Jahu, which is even even more closer. So it's a wild northern uh, Jahu. So we're also using this quite a wild quality of it. However, when you use a wild quality, you have to realise that in some cases in China, they're picking it from the size of highways and all this sort of stuff. And this is a reality, you know. So then I sort of figured no, I'm not going to use that herb anymore and I'm going to use the cultivated stuff that's all certified, it's free of heavy metals and pesticides and all that. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I think you have, at some point you have to make a decision. If you and if your chai who comes to you with bits of plastic and bottle tops and cigarette butts, that's just not on. What would Zhang Zhang Jing say? What would he say? Honestly, he would be appalled. <laughs> he hates smokers, so you, <laughs> so you found eight, uh, what did you call them, deviant herbs? Adulterated. Adulterated. <laughs> well, let's go through some of the others. Um, yeah, sure. So, so um, this sort of thing of, of, of correct uh, yeah, species identification or, or quality as well as quality discernment, um, a really, really good example of, of this, um, I mean, I can go into the specifics, is probably... You know, this differentiation between Broadway and Guaja. If you'd like me to talk a little bit about that, I can. Yes, please. Um, I did a YouTube talk about it as well um, at some point, but, um, you know, what I came with, the conclusion I came to with my research was that we it's very hard to determine what Guaja is, but we can certainly determine what Guaja isn't. Um, so, you know, this is a herb in the, in the Shenon Ben Xiaojing. Um, and, you know, when we talk about Guaji, we're talking about this, this twig, right? The actual, we're talking about like the cinnamon Guay and the true the twig. But botanically, it is, um, we can start to get a little bit more focused because that's cinnamon cassia. And again, you know, there's many, very varieties of cinnamon. Um, there's cinnamon laurieri, cinnamon. Uh, you know, there's the cinnamon cassia, there's um, cinnamon um, burr, and all these variations. So what we kind of want to differentiate, um, you know, it becomes very complicated because you have like all these issues with nomenclature, which is about the um, nomenclature, however you want to pronounce it. The, in this, um, you know, the, for example, you know, this, it's confusing because there's 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 different names for cinnamon verum, cinnamon cassia, and cereal laurieri. Um, you know, the verum used to be um, silasium, and cassia was uh, ar ar uh, aromaticum, laurieri was laurieri, um, and they changed they, they, these names changed due to misspelling of of the botanist name who discovered them. You know, um, there's eight different types of um, uh, 
there's eight different types used in India and in Sri Lanka through the, the Buddhist and the Ayurvedic traditions. Um, and there's, there's two in ancient China, and then there was three, and then five with some overlapping in, in Chinese medicine. So this kind of raw way, guan way, um, so, uh, jun way, you know, the, the, uh, this, the names change as we go into, through history. So example, so it was, so let's talk, talk raw way, so go back into Shenong Betsaji, it was jun way, and then it turned to guan way, and then guan way turned into raw way. You know what I mean? So there's so many issues, um, but the, there's four main species that are harvested today. Um, the vermin, the verum, the vermani, lyloriae, and cassia. So cassia is the one we really want to look at. Um, so it, we have to determine it's not verum, okay, because Ayurvedic traditions use the verum and the cassia is from mainland China. So we can say that junk, you know, junk can use those herbs and but if you're using concept of those formulas, you need to use that. We know this because it, the coumarin content is present in, is higher in cassia than it is in verum. And coumarin has been used for the, for the treatment of asthma, and to regulate blood sugar levels and, and, um, and, and by blunting like these sugar spikes that people have. So the coumarin also, the coumarin levels also increase when they're powdered, which is really interesting when you consider how Zhang Zhang used Guajiri in something like Shinchiwan or or uh, in a powder like wooling sun. So we definitely want this coumarin to be in our herb. And at very high levels, it becomes toxic. And you can actually, you know, use this and, 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 and get this um, toxicity and use it as a therapeutic action because most plants are toxic by nature. So, so guay, right, which is like the, the first name of guay, guayjo, roguay, junguay, etc. It's all old. This you know, it's a potent wolf, and um, when it, when it, or when other herbs invade, cassia it withers, and um, and no other tree can survive under cassia. Pinning a nail of made of cassia tree into a kill will, into another tree will kill it dead and stuff like that. So it's very um, these biblical references to it. The what can I say? So that, you know, the first mention of it obviously was in Tao Ching's work, Shen Ben Jing. And he kind of called this, um, you know, Mugwe, which was like the mother of, of um, the mother Gwe and Junwe, which can be translated to mushroom uh, Gwe. But then there's three others, obviously, there's Rogwe, Guishu, and Guishu, excuse me, Rogwe, Guishu, Guishu. So all of these have a different therapeutic action. And, but what really struck me when I was looking at Guishu was, when I was reading the, the Shahan Zabin Lun and Zhang Zhongjing mentioned this remove bark, this QP. So I started looking into the preparation of cinnamon and found out about how it's grown, you know, how it's, um, how it's harvested, how you, you, know, you do it when there's high humidity so the bark can come off easily. They're harvested at two years, you know, you cut the small stems from the roots, they have to be, a, they have to be between 1.2 and 5 centimeters in diameter. You know, you remove the sticks and you cut the stems and then you ruffle them up with this um, this um, uh, bar to loosen off the, the bar and then you use a rasp knife and you take it off. And this knife section is actually what we, what's called removing the, the bar. And interestingly, um, if you look at the name of, um, of 
cassia. It, it came from the Hebrew um, word katsa, which was um, remove bark. Right? That's where the actual botanical name came from. And people in Ayurvedic traditions, families, they're actually called cinnamon peelers. And there's no doubt that we're using the actual bark of the herb. Um, so, you know, when we when we order guajjur, we typically get we typically get you know this twig with this tiny little like cut pieces with this tiny little bit of bark on the outside. There is very because the coumarin content, which is the therapeutic component that we use when we use guajjur, is in the bark. So if you powder that and you put it into a pill on your way out, you know whatever it is, nine grams, twelve grams, fifteen grams, whatever you do. 100 grams, you, when you grind that up and you sift it, you're left with this tiny, tiny, tiny bit of powder which comes from the bark that actually smells aromatic and has some therapeutic action and most of it's just chaff. Right? And you can pretty much just throw that in the rubbish bin because it's just really not going to be very effective. So I get really upset when I hear people say, oh yeah, quaid your tongue doesn't work or something like that. And there's just so many things that are going wrong with um, how we're using glajitone. You know, we're, first of all, we're not using the right herbs, so we're not using the correct glajit because um, we're using these little twig things that haven't got any action in them. Um, we're using the wrong um, shaoyao, which is the original name for the differentiation between bai shao and shaoyao, which we can talk about <laughs> in intense detail. And then, you know, we're not taking it with um, the right dose, okay? And then we're not doing the correct administration techniques, which is not you're not using it with porridge or you know gruel, etc., etc. So you know we're really having a difficult time if we're not to, to get at the therapeutic actions that we expect when we're not following this kind of correct herb, correct dose, and correct application. So that's kind of the intro to it. Yeah. So so I'm wondering if. Because we've got practitioners all around the world now who are rushing to their dispensary to open up their containers of guajur and to see what you know what what it looks like and how much you know what's their bark to in a twig ratio. Yeah. Can it? Can you? Can you kind of overcome some of those um, misgivings by increasing the dose of guajur that you're using? I don't think so. I think that um, the best thing to do, see, you, you, okay, my, my personal opinion, um, I'm sorry to the to the distributors out there, I'm sorry to the cinnamon growers who are making a fortune off selling a squager, but you can pretty much throw it in the rubbish bin because in China, most of that stuff that we get as medicine, it is t the twigs, right? Those tiny little twigs, they're taken, they're cut, they're thrown into big vats of water, they're boiled, the oil sits, goes to the surface, those twigs are taken out, that oil is condensed and sold as cinnamon oil at a very, very high price. Those sticks, those twigs, there's still a little bit of cumarin in them, fraction, you know, that hasn't been extracted through the boiling process or through that process, are then chopped up and sold as medicine. I mean, that is just rubbish. You know, all the therapies taken out of it. So it's completely useless in my opinion. So the question is, as you're saying, like, what do we buy, what do we do? Where do we get the John West quager? <laughs> um, well, you need to find either Broadway. So when, when Zhang Zhongjing in his formulas, if you read the text, says QP, remove peel, 
then you use the inner section. So you know when you go to spice store and you see those rolls, those cinnamon rolls, you know, like when you buy, see a cinnamon like, rolled up in a quill? Yes. Now that, if it's for, for a spice, you've got to check the species. If it's cassia, great, buy it. If it's a furum, don't. Yeah. So the, the cassia in quills are what you want. Okay. That is, that is, that is the herb that's used in Guajitan. Okay. Mm. But Shenshiwan is something different. It's Guajitan, but he doesn't say QP. So he doesn't say to remove the bark. The reason people remove, sorry, the peel. Okay. So you have the inner layer, which is basically the twig. That's useless. That's not medicine. Then you have the next layer, which is the bark. So when you pull off the bark, you ended up with a quill. But before they pull off the bark, for some, what they do is they scrape the outer bark off first before they roughen and actually remove the, the, the actual whole bark. So the outer peel, that outer peel is kept on when it's uh, rollway. Nowadays, like when we think rollway, it has that outer bark on it. And you can see it on there. But it has, again, it has to be cassia. So when you're using shenchiwan, then it needs to be rogway. The peel needs to be on because it, that's actually just slightly, slightly, slightly toxic. And that slight toxicity we use therapeutically. But it also has got the curcumin content preserved within the bark. And you can see that detailed analysis of those, those sort of things. I want us to look into it. So if you're using gui zhe, what you're actually using is gui xin, okay, which is the heart of cassia, um, which is the bark removed as in the outer, sorry, the outer bar, like the, the, the toxic skin layer, that's removed. And then the center is removed and you actually end up with the quill. That is what Zhang Dongjing called Guizhe, in my opinion. And, um, and but that should really, like, you know, pedantically be called Guizhe. Wow. So it's the heart, it's the middle. Can I just clarify that? So, because it makes sense to me, because when we're using the roguei, this is obviously the bark. From when I learned, it was learned that the roguei is like more so the bark of the the bigger branches, like the trunk, closer yeah. to the trunk, and then the guajir is the twigs. And obviously it's not the twigs, it's still the bark, but it's just of the smaller branches. Exactly, it's of the smaller branches. And it would make a lot of sense that the medicine just is all in the bark layer. It absolutely is all in the bark layer. That, that, like I said, guajir stuff, like those little twig things. Mm. Yeah. And so does Guishin what like what would we use that for? Well you would use Guishin like you would use it in Guajitan. Okay. So most of the decoction formulas, so specifically speaking, every single formula in the Shahan Mun uses Guizhe as in Guishin. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's Guizhe QP. So Guizhe removed with the with peel removed. Um, and and the and the majority of formulas in the in the Jingwei Yaowei, um, they have, it's about 50 50. And you just need to look at which one it is. But any kind of Shanghan, the, the, the trick to remembering it is every Shanghan formula is Guishin. Mm. Yeah. So, are we ready to move on to another herb? Sure thing. Let's do um, the Bai Shao. Bai Shao, alright, the big Bai Shao. Holy dooly, how much information do you want? I've got a lot. All of it. All of it, all of it. <laughs> no. How about we just start with the two types of Bai Shao and give us the basics? Or you, you were saying that the, there's the actually two types. Yeah, the Shao Yao that we want to be using when we're doing 
What was the formula that we were talking about just before? Shaya something? No. Shall Shaya Oh, no, we were talking about bleach or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shall I go for it? Go for it. Go for it. All right. So, okay. So when you're looking at Shaya, um, you know, you have to look at a few things. You have to look at the non-meculature, species identification, history of clinical application, the flavour, which is really interesting. You know, is it sour? Is it bitter? Um, the function of the human body and the indication to be used, as well as administration techniques. Um, you know, I get asked a lot, you know, what what type of buy shower I use or, you know, in, in, in our pills and powders. And I have to tell people, oh, actually, I use chur shower. And they're like, whoa, chur shower, that's really controversial and that moves blood. So, um, or the, the other question is, you know, um, why do you use chur shower, shower yow instead of buy shower, shower yow? Right. So, the question is really interesting. So, I'll just kind of clarify. So, so in the classical formulas of, of the Shanam and Jingwei, um, the herbs we know today, the herb we know today, yes, Bai Shao and Shu Shao were not mentioned by Zhang Zhongjing. He didn't really differentiate them. He used the collective name Shao Yao instead. Um, so the reason that he did that was because there was no differentiation of those herbs at that time. However, there's one exception which I don't really understand. So, but today, uh, different physicians use, use different things. They use a combination of both. Uh, they, use, they use one or the other or a combination of both to replicate the formulas of Jungjun's formulas. So it's thought that the first mention of, of the separation of, uh, of the herb was by Tao Hongqing in the annotated version of the Shen Ben Saoqing, um, where he stated that Bai Shao is skinned and boiled, whereas Chu Shao is the wild version of, um, of the herb, which is peony lactiflora as the botanical. Um, so, but more importantly, he mentions that that Shao is the one that was used by the past practitioners, which is so. So they can the two herbs continue to be undifferentiated um, for like on a clinical level um, from the sway to the Tang dynasties. So that's you know the end of the sway was six eighteen, and then the Tang was nine or seven. So they're really the two only really started to become separated clinically at the end of the Tang dynasty, so around about 907, uh, sorry, at the beginning of the Song dynasty, so 907, 960 AD. Um, and then this clear distinction started to, to, to happen um, yeah, by around about 1144. Um, with the 12th century, um, the Japan and China had started to do this divergence, you know, in, in the sense of like Kampo starting to develop um, and if you look at at um, Kampo, it just use it doesn't differentiate. It just calls. It has one entry, one entry, Xiaoya, purely like a flora. That's it. And they don't. And they actually use um, Chu right? Xiao. Um, so th there's many other species. Again, you know, this what we're trying to understand is is this a different species? No, it is absolutely not a different species. It's just a different. Um, powder, it's a different preparation technique. There are other species out there that are still used, um, like um, Peonia lethison is, is an example of that. It's a wild species that, that is also called Churchow. It's an adulterant. Um, it grows in western parts of Sichuan province, but it's pretty much accepted that that's not the herb that, that Zhang Zhongjing used. Um, 
So when we talk about function and flavor, Shenyang Ben Sejing says that Xiaoyang is bitter. Um, and this is the text that we know that Zhang Xiaoping had access to. Okay, so but, but when Churchill when Church is boiled and skinned, uh, excuse me, is boiled and the skin is removed, then the flavour becomes more sour. Right? Which is very different. It's very, very clinically important to know the difference between a sour herb and a bitter herb because they do completely different things. Um, it, it's probably worth mentioning here that, that, that often in TCM, people think that that shouldn't be used because it has some blood invigorating property or something like that. But, like, what do we think that means? Like, that's just a crazy concept. Like, blood invigorating right, is a modern term that's been taken completely out of text, out of context from, from the reality of human physiology. If we say that, that a Chinese medicine concept or something like that, it's a, you know, this, this is bloody, it's, it's, it's a Chinese medicine idea, I, I think that's just a bit of a cop-out. You know, blood invigoration is not making blood move fast. You know, it's... That's what the heart does. The heart makes blood move fast, not some function of blood itself. Like, how can blood move fast? So if anything, the blood moving fast or invigorated is, in TCM terms, like heart young or whatever term they made up, you know, in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the 30s, etc. Which, if you want to invigorate heart young, you'd use something pungent, right? Like gwejia. So, um, you know, a, a flavour has an action on the body and an action dictates direction and has functional autonomy um, over those physiological movements. So, in a nutshell, this, this, this blood invigoration is vasodilation, okay? referring to the widening of blood vessels, relating um, relaxation of smooth muscle cells within vessel walls, you know, associated with uh, a large veins, large arteries, large arteries, excuse me, and, large, and smaller arterioles. But when we talk about when we talk about blood invigorating, we are referring to inhibition of platelet aggregation. Like are we? You know, um, is that what we're saying? Um, yeah, I'd love to see some research on this. Like, and I, I, I looked for some, um, and you know, it showed that there's some that church out can inhibit, um, you know, you know, all those medical like the the um, cyclooxygenase and prostaglandin endoperoxide synthase and all that stuff and that's really fascinating you know it works like similar to a to a non-steroid anti-inflammatory drug the drug does like it's like aspirin or ibuprofen but the key is that most of those studies have have been on the adulterants of chirshaw like something like pionilac lecithin right but we don't use that so 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 what's happening so i think that thinking about flavour is more important than what some what TCM categorizes in because Zhang Zhongjing did not have those categories. He didn't have in the category invigorate blood. The only category, the only category he had for Xiaoyang was a middle class herb, and that's from the Shenlong Ben Zhaoji, right? Mm-hmm. Where it states that you know there's 120 mid, uh, medium class medicinals. Uses ministers, they nurture the personality, correspond to humanity, you know, etc., etc. Um, you know, if you want to replenish exhaustion, you should base it on the middle class herbs. See, this is really interesting because when I hear you saying, "Oh, you know, 
what t- you know, in, what type of shower yard do you use? I use Chu Shao. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we've been using your Dungwe Shao son and we've been giving it to pregnant women. And I just like, and I think, oh my goodness, like that's that's where I go in my mind straight away. And I'm sure there's many other people who are, you know, um, going in the same place in their mind because there's already enough controversy of people saying, oh, you should take the Dungwe out of Dungwe Shao san if you're giving it to a pregnant woman. But then people say, oh, but, you know, it's the big dose of Baishao that um, that protects against the, you know, if you use it as it's prescribed. And and to me, in my mind, I'm going, oh, but now I'm using, I'm not only keeping Dungwe in the Dungwe Shao san and going against, you know, some schools of thought, but I'm using a, I'm using Dungwe Shao san that has a massive dose of Chishao in it. Oh, my God. And obviously I've used it without incident and it's actually been on my own on my own wife my own children absolutely yeah and so I wonder can you can you talk a little bit about that well like I said you know it's just a misconception of how we're thinking about it this invigoration of blood concept that's that's the misnomer there's no doubt in my mind that that you know when Zhang Zhongjing prescribed this okay there's no doubt in my mind that when Zhang Zhongjing prescribed he was using Shushao, no doubt in my mind, and I can back that up with research, etc., etc. Mm. And there's no way that Zhang Jing would risk, you know, children uh, and, and you know women in pregnancy. There's no way he would risk that. Um, when you use, um, uh, yeah, so so, but when we there's nothing wrong with vaso like vasodilator reactions on a pregnant woman, right? To to use something that has that has like that inhibits platelet aggregation, that's dangerous on a pregnant woman. Absolutely, right? If we're talking about it like that. But but to to vasodilate, to bring blood supply throughout the body, that's not that's not that's not a dangerous thing. Because when we vasodilate, we bring all those anti-inflammatory markers, we bring white blood cells, red blood cells, etc. 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 Cortisol to the area restriction of blood flow, vasoconstraction, is certainly what happens in a, in a Dungwe Shaiyasan pulse. So if it's indicated, if the formula is indicated, there is absolutely no danger, absolutely no danger. Mm. Can and you uh, just review the, the Latin terms for the plants for Baishao that people will be looking for here? Sure. So the... So Xiaoyao, which is before you differentiate it, is called a peonia lactiflora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that I mentioned earlier, which is, you know this one that, that has um, that acts like a um, like ibuprofen, is um, peonia lethicin. And you definitely wouldn't want to give that to a pregnant woman. No, you wouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't think so. And it's it's too harsh and. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's the one that's often partnered with Gansal for pain in high doses. Yeah, it's um, it's possibly possibly it's interesting um, Gansal because you're, you're looking at like Shao Gansal then, right? <clears throat> and that's very fascinating because Shao Gansal the, you know, I said before, like, Zhang Zhongjing never used Bai Xiao in that time, you know, and how, how, you know, the history about the differentiation and how it split up and went to Cheshire to Bai Xiao. 
my colleague Stephanie Nelson was looking, she was researching one day and she's like, hey, Simon, look at this. And in the character, in the, in the actual, um, you know, in the Chinese character, under the, the stuff about that, uh, that, that thing, it says, Xiao Yao, and then in brackets it says, bye. And it's like, whoa, that's the first time in history that, that you know, that's, that's, that's like, you know, hundreds of years before, before it's been differentiated. So whether that's added in later or what, but, you know, normally in all pills and powders, Zhang Zhongjing used Chu Xiao, right? And I'll get into that in a second. I'll explain what I mean about that. Um, do, do you want me to continue or with yeah, that? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so so this comes. I just quickly just go back to this flavor stuff. Um, so the Shenon Ben Gene sort of says that Shaolia is bitter, right? So it treats evil chi, abdominal pain, that sort of stuff. Um, but when we're talking about blood invigoration, you know, there's there's only um, there's nothing in the way that that was originally used when Challenging wrote that. There's nothing even slightly alluding to invigorating blood. Right, which is shwebi, which translates as eliminating blood impediment, right? which means a hindrance or an obstruction in doing something. Right? Or it says remove blood numbness, which is a lack of sensation. So this is a very, very different thing to moving blood. In fact, I could not find the term move blood or invigorating blood, invigorating blood in the Shenron Ben Saojin, the Jingwei Yaowei, or the Shahan at all. And you know why? That's because the term doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so if you're if you're not using chershow and you're choosing bishow instead, because you know you're worried about it, it might move too much blood, then you know this is just not this is not you know this is just you know not not seeing what's you know it's just just part of like learning herbs, I guess. Um, so. When it comes to um, you know the, the five flavor dynamics and how you know there's a lot of historical use for shaoyao as a sour herb, so I just want to explore that a little bit because you know Arno definitely calls this a sour herb, but he acknowledges here that it was a bitter herb and all that sort of stuff. It's a really interesting discussion because the reason it's important is because if we can understand the flavor and the formula dynamics, which is a fundamental concept to herbal medicine. So when it comes to Clinical practice, we need to ask ourselves, you know, is it bitter or is it sour? Because the Shenron Ben Saojin, annotated by Tao Chin, says it's bitter. And then the Fu Xing Jui, Zhang Fu Zhong Yao Fai Yao, was written by Tao Chin, and that says it's sour. So the same guy is contradicting himself. So, you know, this book was written after the time of Zhang Zhong Chin, the, the, the Fu Xing Jui. But it is written to emulate the Changyijing formulas, right, which is the lost text of, of the, the formulas that Zhang Jing based his texts on. But so the Fu Xing Jui most certainly reflects the concepts of the Changyijing, right, and Zhang Jing modeled his formulas after that. Um, so we know that it's based on the five element model, and um, it doesn't really help us if we if if we're using if the flame is confusing the body um, and they're not correct, you know, between the actions of sour and bitter because they are completely different. And you can go back and you look at the Su Wen uh, 
and it's something chapter 22, chapter 5, chapter 74, etc., etc. But the end, you know, so the question is, you know, what is it? Like, stop teasing us, Simon. Like, what, what's the, you know, what's the answer? Like, is it sour or bitter? Like, I, I, you know. Tell us the answer. It's, 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 it's both, goddamn. Like, it's, like, um, it's like Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> Schrodinger's cat. It's like it's both alive and not alive until you look in the box. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, um, you know, like the conclusion I kind of came to was that when you use shaoya in a decoction formula, okay, it's sour. When you use it in a pill or a powder, it's bitter. So if you want to emphasize, or not emphasize, but you if essentially, if you want to just do it the way John Dobbin used it, you just use chicken shower in everything. And when you boil it, it becomes sour. And when you grind it, pill, powder, it's bitter. Uh-huh. It's going to have that action. Um, if, if you want to emphasize the action of the sourness and the buffer, the wood, stuff like that, then you use fire shower in decoction only. So, you know, when you use it in high doses, you know, you can, you can, you know, when you use it in Kweja Tang, you use it in Shao Jenjong Tang, you use it in Wang Chin Tang, um, that's when you use fire shower. Um, and that means you're adhering to the flavor dynamics, those five element flavor dynamics that, 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 that Jung Jin based his formulas on. Um, so, yeah, so basically, Xiao Yao is, is it bitter or sour? It's both. You know, um, and, yeah, it, it, you know, um, it, but, the, the, you know, this, this really comes back to this using the correct administration technique, right, which has been outlined in the, in the, Shanghai, in the by Jim, and he, he wrote all this stuff out for us for a reason. Um, and I, you know, I, I hope it's I hope it's useful information for people because it's um, it's only going to make our medicine better uh, and stronger and stronger in its in its efficacy. Mm, it sounds like Bashao is really the exemplary here in terms of you know, are we is this formula a tongue, a san, or a wan? Mm. And you know, in these this era where we're looking at compliance and. You know, everybody's asking for capsules or, or some people just have a clinic based on granules and they don't do raw herbs or they they just do pills. Um, well, some people only do powdered raw herbs. They don't even do granules. Yeah. And so everything they give is a sum. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there, there's definitely an element of um, learning the importance of if, if it's meant to be a tongue, it's meant to be a tongue or a one or a sum. Uh, absolutely. I, I think... Um, if I want to get really righteous about it, I might say something like, um, you know, it's our responsibility to the history of Chinese medicine. That's how they've used it all those years. Um, and we can't, And anything less is not good enough. <laughs> you, you can have that argument. You know, that's, that's, I think it's a pretty legitimate argument. Like, if we have historically, if we're using this concept like, hey, Chinese medicine has been used for, you know, 5,000 years, whatever, um, and we're quoting that to the public, then we need to be using it the way it has been used. You can't say, oh yeah, it's, it's a medicine, this formula's been used for 5,000 years, but I'm using it in a completely different way, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna give it to you as a capsule. For example, um, uh, you know, there's a company out there who makes 
uh, pills. I, I don't mean to talk down about anyone, but they make a, 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 a pill. It's not a Chinese medicine company. It's just like a you know generic company. And they make a pill and it, it's for use for insomnia and it swans out in the tongue. But they've taken a herb out. I think they took out Chuan Shong. Like, that formula is based on five element dynamics. There's five herbs in that formula. It's based on five element dynamics. How can you remove a herb? You, you know, you're, you're going against the whole principle of how that formula worked historically, what it's actually doing. Um, and you can get really self you can get really self-righteous about this sort of stuff. <laughs> well, there we go. I'm I'm wondering, you know, also if you know if they have actually ground the swan's air ring and then fried it before they've put it into the pill, or is it just, you know, ground up? Exactly. Yeah, it was all the due diligence with the proper powder done. That's right. Was there monks chanting over it and stuff like that? Like we all do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was the formula made on a full moon? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but, you know, I don't want to say, oh, that's cool, if it's working, it's working. I don't think so. And I think we need to go back more to understanding this, you know, and a perfect example is, you know, um, of this principle is when, um, you know, recently the, the, Nobel, um, the Nobel laureate um, for, you know, the, the woman who won that did the Chinese thing and she did the her. Um, her explanation on Ching Hao and how, you know, if you've ever read her PhD, her thesis, this is fascinating. She went back and back and back and she went to um, Ge Hong. She went all the way back to find Ge Hong because she tried it in granules, you know, in vitro trials, tried it in granules on malaria, etc. Then she went back a little bit further. Um, I'm going to try it in a powdered form. She tried it. Mm, that's like 80% effective, whatever it is, 70% effective. Then she went back even further. Okay, I'm going to boil it up oh, wow, that's like 85% effective now. Like, and just kept trying at different versions of boiling at different depth temperatures. Like, I just haven't quite cracked it, you know. And then she went back and she read the first entry of that herb, which was written by Gohan. And he says, you take the herb and you pull it out in this much water and you pull it out of the water when it's boiled and you wring it, you hand wring it, like you wring it like you would, like you wash it, you squeeze it. That action opens new enzymes in the plant, you know, permeates into the water, and it's like 100% effective. You know what I mean? So if we're only just reading malaria, ching hao, okay, that's what I'm going to use, then you're just missing. You know, if you're reading malaria, ching hao, taken with water, okay, that's nothing more, you know, malaria, taken with water, prepared like this, run like this, it just means you're going to get more and more and more efficacy. That's, that's my point, yeah. And how fortunate we are that we've got you as possibly one of the world's first herbal medicine manufacturers actually following the instructions on how, yes. on how they're meant to be prepared. Because nice. people, you know, I mean, we can say that we've been using the formulas um, from you for the last, you know, 12, 18 months or so. And we've just noticed it's just so much more effective and the formulas just work the way that they should. That's the thing. Like, if you're doing everything right, you know, if you're doing the pulse right or you're doing your, you're doing your intake right, you're doing your diagnosis right, you know, you're, you're following, you know, this, this, this pattern of logical, rational, reasonable clinical um, diagnosis and then... You're giving the right formula, 
and then it doesn't work. Okay, you know, it, it sometimes that happens even if you're using the right formula. But if you're not, you know, if you're not using the right formula in the way that completely thing, then you're looking at what you're doing wrong in a completely different way. Mm. You, you know what I mean? You can't. How can you? How can you learn from that? How can you grow from that? It's impossible. If if the whole time your tools aren't aren't sharp. Yeah really opens up the discussion also for identifying whether or not we're looking at we're creating the, uh, the formula incorrectly in modern times or whether or not we're thinking, oh, well, apparently this formula used to work back a thousand years ago, but it doesn't because we think we've changed yes. or our environment has changed. Or the herbs are different, you know. Mm. Exactly. That's right. And we do. We blame it on those things, don't we? Mm. We do. We, we tend to blame it on those things. Or we increase the dose of something. Or, it, like you said, it wasn't effect, as effective as it was. And no doubt, if you're using Guajia, like that, you know, that long-winded explanation again about Guajia, there is no doubt you're not getting the, the clinical effect that you're, you're expecting. I mean, don't get me started about dose. But <laughs> I think what we'll do, Simon... <laughs> is we'll have to have you on again sometime. <laughs> We've only discussed three herbs today. I know you said you discovered eight just in your student clinic. Um, so let's uh, let's have you on again sometime in the future and keep going with this conversation. And hopefully um, some of our listeners could send in some questions that they would like to ask you and we'll save them up for another discussion. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, we're always out there to learn. That would be fantastic. Thanks so much for um, being so generous with your with your knowledge and sharing your insights today, Simon. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to um, yeah to ramble on. <laughs> we loved listening to you, and um, I'm sure that our listeners did too. Um, you can join the conversation on our Facebook page if there's any insights that you want to share, or even um, yeah, just some ideas that you have for yourself about um, herbs that, um, that are false friends, that we think that we know what we're using and we're not. Um, we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page. That's all for today. We're so glad that you joined us and we'll see you again next week.